Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr. I want to thank Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve at steveazar.com. Thanks for joining us today, and we appreciate uh, all those uh, folks out there have been listening. We've enjoyed doing these. And don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's by VJ Trolio, and that's available on Amazon. Today we have one of the best college coaches in men's golf. That's Ryan Hibble of Oklahoma. Played his college golf at Georgia, and he has continually and consistently had the Oklahoma Sooners ranked in the top five, top ten. They just finished up the spring season uh, a few months ago, losing in the finals to Pepperdine, and he continually can has some of the best players and has some of the best teams, and it's been fun uh, to get to know him. I got to see him at Merido a week or so ago where they won the second tournament of the year. So let's get Ryan on the phone, and I uh, hope to get you uh, all to get to know him a little bit better. Well, I promised you Ryan Hibble, and I've got him on the phone. Ryan, thanks for spending some time with me today. I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Well, your Oklahoma Sooners are off to another good season. I saw you at Merido. You all won that event second the week before. Uh, how are you continuing to keep this team going and every year always having a very competitive team? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's one of the you know biggest pieces of our program. I feel like is trying to create a, an environment, a culture of high expectations and work and getting better. And and uh, you know, we lost a lot of firepower last year. Uh, Jonathan Brightwell, Quade Cummins, uh, Garrett Reban, uh, a couple other seniors, Riley Casey and Thomas Johnson, who were great depth for us as well. And you know, people keep asking me, well, you guys are going to take a you know, you're going to probably go backwards a little bit. And we never once have ever thought that. I mean, every year, the you know, we, we continue to, to lose guys every year. and We have to be able to replace them. That's all we go out and recruit like we do. And uh, the guys back home, they've been chomping at the bit to get their opportunity, right? So all their battle scars and, and uh, uh, just opportunities back home to compete and get better are hoping, uh, you know, that's that's my hope is that they're, it's going to allow them to, to shine. So, uh, I guess uh, the long-winded answer is, you know, we're we're trying to prepare our guys back at the house to get them ready to, to go to a place like Merido and, and get them ready, even though it's super early in the season. Some of these guys have been doing this for, for a couple years now. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that. It's like you guys come to schools, come to Oklahoma schools like that because they want to get better and they want to have a chance to maybe go in further in, in the line. But you beat your uh, – kind of the, your Texas rival there, uh, the back nine. We talked about the second day. You all kind of let some shots get away. But, man, you finished so strong that uh, final day to, to take the title. What was it like those last few moments? What's going through your mind? And, and I mean, do you obviously the pressure's there, uh, and you've got confidence in your players. But what are you telling your players those last few holes? Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, if we back up into the second round, um, the wind really popped up on us mm-hmm. on thirteen as we finished. Um, so we did lose some shots to the field, um, to, to the guys that were, that, that were at the top of the leaderboard, but they had finished up, you know, right, right as the wind, you know, kind of popped up on us. So I actually, 
you know, felt like we caught a little bit of a, of a tough break and we didn't handle that adversity very well, but those are hard holes, mm-hmm. you know, and the win over on 16, which is a par five, one of the, I would say easier holes out there was, was turned into a very difficult hole. And so we gave up a few shots on paper, but, um, you know, again, we're worth just learning. We're young. We're trying to figure some things out. We had a nice conversation afterwards, uh, just fighting through that and, and understanding the opportunity is still in front of us. And our guys, uh, just did a great job coming down the stretch. I mean, number 15, uh, through 18, I, I want to say we made, uh, four birdies and one bogey out of a group, uh, you know, when you're counting four scores, that's pretty strong, especially on a golf course like that, where you're kind of one swing away from something uh, not very good happening. And, uh, you know, just really proud of, of how our guys finished. We talk about it all the time, uh, you know, because it's such a, a unique aspect with our game. It's, you know, when you've got four to five guys rolling around a golf course, finishing up, boy, you can really, it can put you over the top or it can, you know, it can, it can really hurt you too. So, um, and, you know, it, it's a point of emphasis for us finishing strong every single day, no matter what we're doing. Yeah, you got to be proud of the way the guys finished, uh, without a doubt. I mean, I started doing this podcast to try to get, you know, for the people listening to junior golfers, college players, get some coaches like yourself on there, and and just want to try to find out what separates that elite player and get to know the coaches a little better. But you know, let's go back to you and and who got you started playing, and uh, maybe some big influences early on in your junior career. <laughs> well, you were a football I'm guy. I know that. Now. Yeah, well, yeah, you know. I grew up in a little small town uh, in South Georgia, Hazelhurst, Georgia. Uh, you know, we only had 5,000 people that even uh, lived in the town and, and nine hole golf course, uh, never was in good shape, but it was actually a great layout. You know, it taught me how to, uh, escape and, and do some things. It was really tight, uh, you know, pine tree, uh, sandy, you know, off the, off the beaten trail everywhere. So really had to figure out how to, uh, have some craft in your game to get around the golf course. And from, you know, myself growing up, it, it's, it's very different. Um, I'm getting, getting older in my age now. I've just turned 40 this year where the old generation of us talking about, uh, the old has been way, uh, you know, everybody's so specialized now. I mean, I played four different sports growing up, you know, it was football season, it was football season, it was golf season during the summertime, you know, mixed in a little bit with baseball as well. And basketball was winter. So, you know, that's that's the, the household that I kind of grew up in. We were a very sport-driven family. My dad was a high school football coach in, that, in Hazelhurst, and, and um, you know, he actually played college golf at Mississippi State. So a lot of golf background in our family with him, and he, he led myself and my brother into the game at a very young age. But uh, just fortunate, to be honest with you, to grow up in a small town uh, where I rode my bike with my golf clubs uh, on my back during the summertime out to the golf course. And we played 36 holes and swam. And, and uh, you know, I drank. Uh, I tell my daughters this all the time, how we just didn't know about anything about anything. I mean, I, I remember it being so hot where, uh, you know, the, the sprinklers would, would be depressed <laughs> down and they would, they would run. And I'd be, you know, just hallucinating out on the golf course because I was so hot. And I drink that water, you know, and that was actually uh, gray water. <laughs> oh gosh! I didn't even know that at the time. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just uh, you know, hey, this is the old school way of back in the late '80s and, and early '90s, and uh, I just I loved everything about um, just athletics in general, competing. Uh, I was fortunate to have a two-year-older brother that was very good at golf as well. 
so I was always trying to beat up on him and, and he truly made me become, uh, you know, the, the athlete that I was at, at a young age. And, uh, you know, so my dad, my brother, they were my huge influences early on. There's no doubt about that. And then as we went through, uh, you know, my junior golf career and into my college career, you know, I ended up going to the, to the university of Georgia and Chris Hack, who's still one of my, my best friends. Uh, he was my coach, him and Jim Douglas, who are still there and, uh, just great people along the way and uh, just truly blessed to be able to be around the game for a long time. I've got a lot of relationships that have, you know, sp- span out over, you know, 30, 30 years now worth and, and uh, just really fortunate. I didn't know your dad was a Mississippi State Bulldog. My kids will love that because I had three of my kids go there. My family big state fans. Of course, I'm a Tennessee guy, but I'm kind of the outcast. My wife's LSU, so we're all messed up in our family. <laughs> so with that, but you know, you said if you haven't had a sip out of a hose, then you've never lived. I mean, that's got to be that's the best time of the summer. But you mentioned multiple sports and, and, and specializing, and I'm a big proponent of kids playing multiple sports because I think it benefits them. And especially if you go into the team golf, because golf's such an individual sport. But what are some of the benefits you feel you feel like playing multiple sports and and encouraging kids to maybe do that? Yeah, you know, I, I just I truly believe in in being able to learn um, all these in these other areas. You know, when, when you talk about, about basketball, let's use them as as an example. My my eighth grader is heavy into basketball, and she. Uh, the, the type of lessons that she's learning on a day-to-day basis of it's not about yourself. Um, you know, you, you really have to make other people look good at times, competing and working for each other, uh, w- wanting to be in the foxhole um, with with your with your buds and your teammates and your coaches. That's where you know that that's what gets my juices flowing, and that's honestly the try the, you know the type of environment that we try and promote here at our place as far as you know with team golf because. Golf is a unique sport that it, there's only a couple times you play team team golf. Uh, you know, high up it's the Ryder Cup, which is going on this week, and mm-hmm. and in amateur amateur golf it's the Walker Cup. Then you obviously have college golf uh, and and high school golf. But high school golf, a lot of times the really good players are kind of left on an island because they're so much better than everybody else, and it and it can be you know tough um, environment in the high school area. So college golf is really the, the, the last standing, um, you know, team environment for these guys. And for, for our guys to wrap their arms around what that means to lean on each other and really work for each other and, and push and push and push. Our, I mean, I can be a great coach uh, back at the house, but our guys are the best coaches, uh, but the best motivators. They're, that's my job is to surround them with phenomenal players that want to work. Um, it's not even necessarily about the talent level at, at a, to a certain point. It's about who genuinely can get the most out of their gains on a day-to-day basis and maximize who they are as people because that is what's going to allow our guys to continue to get better is by over a four- to five-year time period of them coming out here and beating each other up in a good way, competitively speaking, and, and understanding you know how they can make each other better. Um, and I think a lot of those lessons get learned at a young age uh, in, in other sports just as much as anything. Uh, so going back to the original question, I mean, that's, I, I truly believe that that's a valuable experience. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they talk about the, you, know, you mentioned the Ryder Cup, the Americans, they don't have the chemistry, they don't have this. And I, I don't, 
I don't know if they want it. They probably want it too much. But, you know, chemistry to me comes naturally. But how do you – and you mentioned a very competitive team. And, and sometimes roommates have to beat the other out for, you know, that spot. And then they got to go back and live together. How do you keep that chemistry and how do you balance that competitive uh, spirit there but also keeping them from, you know – disliking each other or having some, you know, <laughs> you know, hating the guy. Cause yeah, I remember David Thomas, this is a funny story. David Thomas said, he didn't tell me who it was, but I have a feeling who it was on his team. Roommates play against for the last spot and the one beat the other. And the guy put a piece of tape down the middle of the room. And he said, you can't cross the line. And he goes, well, the, you know, the sinks on the other side, on your side, I've got to at least brush my teeth. He goes, Nope, you can't do it. So, I mean, it gets to that point, but how do you kind of avoid that's kind of a fun situation, but how do you keep that chemistry going? Well, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It's it can be tough at times, but I think you know, for me and and how we do things is it's it's all communication and letting these guys know up front in the recruiting process how it works around here. You know, there's nothing given uh, at our place. Everything is earned um, because as you move on from our place, if you want to go play professional golf and, and just life in general with whatever you end up deciding to do, no, nobody's going to give it to you and. Uh, so our guys, I feel like they know that up front. So I, you know, personality-wise, um, you know, and just people's feelings of getting hurt, it can be squashed a little bit in that way if they all know everything that is in front of them. Um, because it's like, well, if I didn't beat these guys, I'm not going, you know. And and so I think as long as we know, you know, the communication side is good, then then we can you know, squash a little bit of that, that attitude uh, that you're talking about. But uh, ultimately, everybody wants to play. You know, I, I talk to our football coaches all the time. I've got a, a room full of quarterbacks and kickers. I don't, You know, mm-hmm. the defensive guys, offensive guys on, in football, they all kind of potentially get a chance because they're rotating in and out. But quarterbacks, and there's only one field goal kicker usually. There's only one quarterback that's going to play. And that's kind of what we have a room full of. And, and managing that is can be – difficult at times it really can be uh but ultimately our goal is to try and get better you know every single week every single day and and if we have guys that even aren't playing for us that can still put a value on them getting better that's a win and uh i i think that, that they can look back and go yeah i'm I, I know i haven't played here last couple months but um but i know that i'm still getting better do you have qualifiers? Because a lot of guys – I mean, that's, that's the tricky part for y'all. You have such a good team, so many good players. And as a coach, sometimes you, your best player – we saw Arizona State, David Puge didn't make it to Merido, didn't make the qualifier. Yeah. Do, sometimes it's got – got to keep one in my back pocket. Do you guys – how do you guys run your qualifying? <laughs> well, it, it changes week to week, uh, you know, based on how guys play. I mean – I've got a pretty stock rule that if you finish top 15, you're exempt in, into the following week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which, you know, d- depending on the week, we, we might have one guy do that. We might have four guys do that. Then whenever we get back home, um, I might have a, a smaller qualifier that gets you into the big, bigger qualifier. I mean, we're always qualifying for something, playing for something. But I'm going to tell you a couple of my better stories of qualifying. Uh, Max McGreevy, who's about to be on the PGA Tour this year, just got his tour card. Max was one of our better players. I want to say this was 2016-ish. He was going to miss Georgia Tech's event back in Atlanta in the fall, which is one of the better events in the country, and goes out and shoots fine around 66 to pick up the last spot, and he goes into Georgia Tech and wins. Wow. And I'm telling you, 
I can say this with confidence because I've been doing this long enough. If he doesn't do that, he doesn't go win at Georgia Tech because he needed he needed that pressure. He needed to feel it, and he needed to go have some success when his back was against the wall. I mean, if he doesn't do that, he's not going. All right. The next year, Grant Hirschman, who's on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, very similar situation, coming down to him, Brad Dalkey, and Blaine Hell, all three All Americans at our place. Mm. And we're, we've only got one spot left going to Las Vegas, best tournament in the springtime. They all know that two of them are not going to Vegas on the end of this qualifier. That's because that's where, where we were at. And, and Hirschman goes out and does the exact same thing, shoots a final round 66. Guess what? Goes to Vegas, wins. Wow. And similar, very, very similar situation. If he doesn't do that, that doesn't have that pressure, he doesn't go out to Vegas and win. I, I say that with 100% validity because I've I've been doing this too long. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that we just have to try and get our guys to feel very comfortable in these really uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. of adrenaline and managing expectations and not just finishing strong but getting off to a great start. I mean, I think it's a very undervalued piece of the pie when people talk about golf in the first, you know, three, four, five holes – um, just as much as, I mean, num- number 18 is, is really not much different in my opinion than number one, cause you're going to have the, a lot of stressors, a, a lot of pressure and guys that can get out there and go make great pars and, and, and maybe even a couple birds early on. I, I, I love it when guys can get off to a great start, you know? And, uh, um, anyway, that's just a couple thoughts of no, about the qualifying piece. That's awesome. I mean, it does. It kind of even all Americans need a wake up call, a wake up call. But it kind of got them motivated, got that confidence going because, I mean, you can get kind of lax if you're not careful. And I think the qualifying does keep you aware of it. But you mentioned uh, linebacker mentality, and that was your position in high school. But you also made the junior Ryder Cup team. I found this out last week. This is interesting. Uh, and, and you chose uh, to play in the, the football game because I'm sure your dad was going to uh, uh, get onto you about it. But uh, did you play? With, did you play with that linebacker mentality when you were such a great player as a junior and college player? Did you have that same mentality? You know, I mean, I just it's it, it kind of works. Yeah. I think it would. Yeah, it, I think that if you asked any of my buds I grew up with, I know you're talking about Hunter Mayhem's story. Uh, you know, I. I grew up, me and Hunter, we played a lot of golf together. We competed against each other quite a bit. Of course, he ended up having a great professional career. And my life was, was way different. Once college got done, I ran into some injuries. And, and uh, you know, just a different different life. And, and uh, we all have just crazy paths with this game and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I did. I did. I, I, the Junior Ryder Cup. They called me and I got invited, but you got to remember, I still, even as a, this was my sophomore year in high school. Um, at that moment in my life, football, even though I was really good at golf and I was, I don't know, maybe already the number one or two ranked player in the country, football was just as important, if not more important in my life than sure. golf was. And so because of that, I mean, you're talking about letting your, your boys down mm. in the locker room. I mean, again, I'm coming from a small school, uh, small town. So you play both sides of the ball. You know, if you're good enough, you're playing both sides of the ball. You, you don't you don't have uh, a specialty position. I mean, I was a, a split out tight end. My brother was the quarterback who 
was a really great quarterback and, and played started at the University of Georgia, then came out here to Oklahoma. But I mean, it, you know, it's it, we didn't have options to sit there and go, "Hey, you're not going to play this week." You know right. what I mean? And, and my dad's the coach, and so there's a lot of pressure with being a coach's kid and and uh, you know trying to be as perfect as you can, especially in the sport that that he coaches. And and there's just no way I was uh, I was going to be, you know, I was I think. I, in theory, I was going to miss two football games, so uh, that was a pretty easy decision for us at the time. And when I look back on it, I, I you know, would I have more memories? Memories maybe of uh, the, the Junior Ryder Cup? Maybe I, I would. I don't know, but but I know that I didn't let my boys down. Well, <laughs> Which, uh, I could, I can, I can sleep at night with. Well, I think that's why you're such a great team coach, and I think that's what makes you such a great coach is that same that team mentality. It's you don't want to let anybody down, and it's that's true. I mean, I know when my girls were playing basketball, and there was a possible possibility of playing a golf tournament. It's like, hey, I'm the starting guard. I can't not play, and I, and it's a tough decision. And, and you made the right decision. You can't go back and look at it. Yeah. But you talked about your brother being a quarterback, you being a top athlete. What separates that elite athlete or that elite golfer from maybe the rest? I mean, what makes them different? That inner drive, that will to win. What makes them, you know, kind of separate themselves from the rest? Man, that's a good question. There's a lot going on with that one because I I've seen really. T- I've seen a lot of talented guys in my life. I've been fortunate to be around a lot of really great players. And there's great talent uh, that don't really love the game that still can make it. Uh, there's elite thinkers. There's elite uh, attitude and motivators that can make it. Uh, but there are all these same things I'm talking about. They can all not not make it. So, uh, you know, again, I don't want to call it luck. I think it's just our path, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've always believed that I had the game growing up to be, a, to be a PGA Tour player too, but but it didn't work out for me, you know, and, and there's a lot of stories just like myself, but I'm fortunate enough to be around a bunch of young guys every day that, that I can hopefully, you know, influence at some, to, to a certain degree and, and help them. That's my path, you know, and so an elite, true elite athlete though, I, I mean, you've got to be able to do something better than everybody else, whatever that is. You know, Tim Simpson, an old Georgia Bulldog, he used to always tell me, they'd be like, him. If there's one thing you got to be, you just got to be better than somebody else at, you know, and, and I've always kind of stuck to that too. And, and, uh, you know, for me, uh, I was always a better chipper and putter than everybody else. Uh, and, and, and throw a little bit of grinding mentality, uh, you know, on top of that, I, you know, you always felt like I was in the game, uh, no matter how poorly I might hit it. Um, you know, I just knew that, that I could out putt and, and, and out short game everybody. Um, you know, I think there's great, great drivers of the ball that can just put them in so many, you know, phenomenal spots. A- Abraham Answer, who's who's a top 15 player in the world right now, he played for me when he was here at school. You know, he hit 90% of his fairways. I mean, this guy's five foot six. He still moves on it pretty good, but he's never out of play. So, it, what's interesting, I, I, this is crazy. Grant Hirschman, who I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. One of my shorter players I've ever had here has always been our, had our our uh, lead par five scoring here, and it's because he's in play every time. Right. And the big guys, a lot of times they get out of play and they're not able to go for the par fives and two. Well, well, Hirsch was able to go for all the par fives and two. Same thing with the eight. When you're always in play, you know you're able to control your ball flight, uh, especially coming out of the fairways. And and I just saw a stat recently about eight that he was still top 25 on the PGA Tour in strokes gained off the tee 
because he was in play that much, mm. and uh, which I think is really interesting. And anyway, long story short, I I uh, I think elite players are you can come at it from so many different angles. The willpower is 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 a must. It's one of the things that I try and do in recruiting is dig in deep to try and figure out. We got to have guys that love to play golf, and I can't um, you know put more emphasis on that because loving to play golf is a lot harder than what people think it is. And whenever you get out on the on you know playing professional golf and you have no team around you, you still have to want to go play in that fundraiser on monday and 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 pro-am and and still go put in your work on the practice round and go put in four days of tournament golf and go do it for you know five straight weeks and that's a tough life like you know i mean you did it as as well as as as, as anybody so well that's well said that's a great answer it's always the hardest one of the hardest questions i ask because that's why i started this podcast uh, vj trolio wrote the book only one shot and it says what makes elite golfers elite and, and, and it's just such a cool book and it's such a it's such a great question because people want to know i mean that's what i mean to get to that level how do you get to that level you you mentioned your dad's a coach i had ryan cabbage on uh, a couple weeks ago his dad was a high school coach how much did that influence you maybe to get into coaching after you got hurt cuz i mean you said it best you got to love to play the game and i actually fell out of love with it there for a while and, and I spent time with my family which I would never uh, regret doing that for 10 years that was the best time of my life but uh, how much did it influence that your dad was coaching maybe help you get into coaching uh, yeah I mean it's everything uh, there's no doubt I wouldn't be you know coaching if, if um, well I shouldn't say that I don't think I would be coaching if my dad wasn't a coach I mean he you know I grew up in a locker room since I was literally I mean in diapers and so, you know, I was able to, to listen and learn, uh, not just from him, but, but other coaches and, and see what work and, and work ethic and trying to get the most out of a, a group of guys was like as an eight-year-old, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I was just very fortunate to be in that situation. And I mean, it's one of the reasons why, I mean, you, you take a look at a lot of these other sports, um, forget about golf, but, uh, you know, if there's a coach's kid, out there that you can go recruit a lot of times football coaches, basketball coaches, baseball coaches, they're, they're going to go get those, those folks because mm-hmm. they know that it kind of, it's, it's in, inbred in them that, um, you know, that culture of teamwork and getting the most out of yourself. They might, again, they might not be the most talented, uh, right now on our football team, Drake Stoops, that's Bob Stoops' mm-hmm. son. He's one of our wide receivers. And from a talent perspective, you probably wouldn't say he's one of the most talented out there, but man, the guy is a grinder and he's been around it his whole life. And, uh, just that osmosis process definitely works. And it's not much different than what I've always felt about PGA tour kids. Uh, you know, the sons that I've been able to be around growing up, I grew up with Bill Haas and Mm -hmm. Kevin Stadler and, and those boys and, and, they might not have been the, the best junior golfers early on, but then it's like it kicks in. You know, they've been listening and being around great players full time, and it's like at some point it just kind of kicks in if they have just a little bit of talent. So, what else do you look for in a player? Because the kids listening, the parents listening. What do you when you're recruiting kids? What do you else are you looking for? Yeah, I get this question a lot, and again, it's it's kind of hard it, answer. It's, it's, it's a it, it's a hard answer because I'm looking for what fits our place mm-hmm. and who, what fits me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a golf perspective, 
usually you can watch about five holes until, until, uh, you know, I can kind of already sit there and go, well, I really like what I see of this guy or, you know, this guy, you know, I need to c- kind of come back to this guy or, or, or maybe, you know, he doesn't pass the eye test just yet. But I mean, the, the, the true indicators are, are happening a lot more when you're able to create, create the relationships and figure out, you know, what makes them tick a little bit more. Um, those are the things, you know, cause <laughs> Trust me, I get it as a parent, as a, uh, you know, my eighth grader, hopefully she's going to be good enough to get recruited in basketball. You know, when you're a parent, you think about things a lot differently. And when you see somebody else get scooped up that you think your kid's better than, immediately, well, that's what we do, right? As parents, mm-hmm. we compare, we go, wait a second, how does this happen? How does this, you know, how, how are they going here? And the, the answer is there, there is no great answer. Some things that the, the puzzle just fits. You know, somebody might fit with a coach. Somebody might, especially even in our sport, it might be a financial situation. You sure. know, a, a coach might not have any scholarship, and somebody's willing to to kind of come and do it do it for little to no money. I mean, that's a that that could end up being an issue. I mean, we only work with four and a half scholarships on our side, right? So, uh, you know, you're always trying to piece together a puzzle that's that's uh, every year it's not the same and trying to manage that three to four or five year cycle can be difficult. I think it's actually one of the most undervalued pieces in, in, um, in equivalency sports, you know, from a coaching perspective is trying to figure out who can actually manage their, their book, their book keep, keeping the best, uh, trying to get guys and, and girls, depending on what sport they're playing, uh, for the value that, that maybe, you know, that they can get them at before they all, you know, see fit. So, uh, again, it's one of those things that never gets talked about, but I think it's a it's a big part of our of our industry and in college you know sports on the equivalency side when you're trying to you know sell somebody that thirty percent's a good deal. Yeah, <laughs> that's a hard conversation. That's a hard that's a hard conversation, right? Well, especially but, when they've spent ten, fifteen, twenty thousand a year, uh, and that's one thing for the people listening. I mean, have a budget when you're going to play junior tournaments. It's going to cost you some cash. Yeah. Uh, and, and you mentioned uh, that is you got four and a half scholarship and, and, and recruiting's changed so much uh, from when you were being recruited to now even in your years coaching. And we were just talking about before we started the podcast that, you know, last year you were doing Zoom calls. Now you're back in person. That had to be a big challenge because it's a big difference between a Zoom call and in person. There's no doubt. There's there's certain folks that can really stick out and, and uh, just sound that much better on a Zoom call uh, or a phone call versus being in person. Um, and the, the COVID recruiting was, was really interesting, and uh, I'll be interested to see what, what that does to the portal over the next three or four years, you know, people hopping in there because maybe just it, it, it sounded good, felt right during COVID, but then when, once you kind of dig in, uh, and get to school, you go. Mm, that, maybe maybe that didn't work out like like we thought, and and maybe it's at no fault other than we just kind of got dealt a bad hand at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, I think all of us coaches across the country tried to do as much as we could to to really dig in and and figure out you know the kids and 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 where you know who they were. And but it's hard, man. It's is it hard? I mean, it's so nice to be able to have everybody back on campus again. And um, just really excited about being able to create those, you know, relationships like we used to be able to do and and, uh, just very thankful. 
You know, you mentioned OU and the great support you have. Football team's great. The whole sports athletic department's fantastic. That has to help big time. But how do you stay competitive year after year in such a tough conference and then nationally? Because it's it's getting, as you said, tougher and tougher. How do you all been able to stay competitive uh, in your conference and and nationally? Because it's a it's a tough deal. There's so many great players and 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 do you pay attention to the rankings? Do you, is that something you pay attention to, or do you try to deflect that with the kids yeah i mean we we pay attention maybe as motivation at times um you know more more so than anything but no i mean early on i, I could care less about when he, what the rankings uh say coming down the stretch you actually pay attention to it because it does dictate regionals mm-hmm. and uh you know your seating and whatnot um but you know you know and it also affects all american type stuff so you know obviously i'm i'm looking at certain things like that i I served on the all-american committee for like six years so i kind of got used to looking at certain things um but you you know we're we're in a sport where it continues to grow at at a high level with junior golf so uh, no matter what you know, you know division one college golf team you're at you really have a chance you know mm-hmm. mid-majors smaller programs i mean you, you just saw pepperdine just won the national championship last year right. they're not, a, they're not in a, a power five conference uh, i think that that story can be written all over the country you get the right couple guys in there mm-hmm. with with gr- great great momentum and great mojo good energy and all of a sudden they can bring the, the juice on anybody and uh, because it's still golf and it's it's five guys. It's not like we have a, a roster of 85 guys, you know, rolling around. Uh, you know, you're still only counting four scores. So, uh, you, you know, we, we've seen it over the years. I mean, Augusta State, they won two yep. national championships back to back. That's not that long ago. I mean, that was 2010-11, uh, back to back. I mean, that's, that's incredible uh, to think about that. So, I mean, there's just great players all over the place. And, you know, people go overseas and, and get great international guys. I mean, it's not just here in the States. So, just what I, you know, and I tell my guys all the time, you know, the, 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 the travel and circus, uh, the junior golf that we kind of come to know and love. And I'm a huge fan of, like, the AJGA. Uh, I, I, was, I was a big part of their, their years way back when. I actually worked for them for a little bit, too, mm-hmm. at, at one point in my life. There's a lot of players that don't play in the AJGA. You're right, <laughs> and and all of a sudden they show up in college, and you go, "Who is this guy?" Yep. You know, and and where did they come from? Well, that's the way it is forever. You know, you look up and you're 30 years old, and somebody developed in their early 20s into this you know stud golfer, and and all of a sudden by the time they're 30, they're you know a, a top 50 player in the world. It, it just it, there's no you don't have to be great at 16 in order to be great at, at 35 that's for sure and uh, and again i'm a i'm a prime example i was one of the one of the best players in this country from the time i was 15 to i mean arguably 21 22 and i'm i'm not even playing anymore right um and and there's guys that in in my same age group that i was playing with that are still you know making uh, gazillions of dollars out there that i could be like a drum back when we were 16 so uh you know it's 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 a perfect example of you just gotta keep you know going through the grind and and trying to get better every single day and and uh hope that it works out you mentioned jim canals last week had a chance to win went to the colorado school of mines i mean 
He's on <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like they're everywhere, and, and that's the tricky part to try to find that diamond in rough. Now, this is another tricky question. Uh, how would you l- want your players to describe you as a coach? I asked Ryan Cavanaugh, oh. and he was almost speechless. I should have given you a warning because that's a tough question, but how would you want, no, I mean, how, how would you want them to describe you? Because you yeah, said you mold, I'd want them. you mold young men's lives. That's part of what you do. But how would you want them to describe you? Yeah, but I, I'd want them to just be able to sit there and honestly say that I'm willing to help them in in every area of their life, um, not just with golf, but to be able to to have a great relationship with them. We just had our big fundraiser this past week, and we had over 35 player former players come back. Out of you know, we had about 200 people here, but 35 of them were former players, and that that really gets me excited mm-hmm. uh, when guys want to come back um, because I know that, that means that we've you know done our job as well along the way to cre- create the relationship piece. Um, but, you know, if, if I have a guy that reach out, that reaches out to me outside of team practice and wants to work, I just would want them to, to know that I've always got their back and, and that they can, you know, ultimately trust that we're doing everything, you know, in my power to help them get to where they want to want to be and, that's what I would want them to say. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if, <laughs> if you ask them, they should go, well, coach is a mean cuss. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, they, my, my, my meanness, uh, I've, I've tailored, tailored, uh, I, in my early years and when we were trying to change the culture around here, my earlier guys have got some way funnier stories about me, uh, than, than probably my, my most recent guys. Cause I'm just different. I mean, I took this job when I was 27 years old. And uh, didn't really know too much about much, right? You know, I was just a young, young, inexperienced guy. But uh, you know, I, I now as I look back, I just again, I hope that all my guys would say that he's willing to, you know, he, he'd do anything for us. I assure you, they do. That's a great way to end the podcast. But as I always kind of end it, is whether life or golf, you may have only one shot. You got to make it count. You're making it count in countless lives. It's been great to get to know you. It's like I told Ryan Cabbage once I met him. He had me at hello. It's it's great to do this podcast because I get to know you guys. I get everybody out there listening to know y'all. What's next for you? And then I'm going to let you go. Yeah, so we're going on to Colonial uh, for the Colonial uh, Collegiate in two weeks. Uh, just a great golf course. It's one of those golf courses that you just would love to play every single day if you could. And it's uh, up against maybe – uh, the, the toughest field of the fall. So we're really looking forward to the challenge, uh, the opportunity, and then we head to our Big 12 match play and then on to Eastlake. So um, hopefully our, our fans will be able to, to check, us, check us out again on, on national television with the Golf Channel there towards the end of October. Well, appreciate you spending some time with us. I know you're a busy man, and uh, it's been great catching up. And looking forward to covering you because I'm going to cover you. I'll be in the studio doing uh, East Lake. But you guys got a good team again. It's been fun uh, uh, watching. It's going to be fun watching as the spring comes along. But good luck. All right, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. I know you're there waiting to see me.